Hello, I'm Brian Byrne, and this is the Daily Cast from Kilcullen Diary, a podcast where we spread our net close and wide and see what we can draw in. It's Tuesday, 13th of April, 2021, and the weather this morning, early cloud, will clear to a day with good sunny spells, temperatures getting up to 11 to 12 degrees in light variable breezes, and tonight will be milder than recently. Our person of interest today is George Friedrich Handel, the German-born composer who is famous for a wide range of opera, religious oratorios and grand concert music in the 18th century. A very prolific man with his skills, he was heavily influenced by a time studying in Italy. He came to London with a view of providing Italian opera to the English nobility. And over a period of 30 years he composed more than 40 opera series. But he made a transition to choral works, one of his most famous being The Messiah, after which he is said never to have composed an Italian opera again. Handel settled permanently in England in 1712 and gained a £200 a year income after composing a Te Deum for Queen Anne. In all, more than 200 major works are credited in the composer's lifetime portfolio. He wrote The Messiah in 1741, and the following year he was in Dublin at the invitation of the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, the Duke of Devonshire. The first ever performance of The Messiah was in Mr Neil's great music hall, Fishamble Street, on this day in 1742. Performed with members of the choirs of St Patrick's and Christ Church Cathedrals, the production was for the benefit of three charities, including Prisoners' Debt Relief, and resulted, it is said, in the release of 142 indebted prisoners. That's a short clip from the Royal Choral Society's rendition of the Hallelujah Chorus from Messiah. I have to say I've listened to the whole composition a number of times down the years, and that's the only bit that works for me. Now to our main feature this morning. When the Kildare Newbridge Municipal District councillors meet next on the 21st of April, councillor Tracy O'Dwyer has a motion calling for a campaign with all residents' associations in the area to cut late and cut less on their green areas in the cause of biodiversity. She figures that if such a pilot campaign proves successful, then it could be rolled out in other MDs. When I asked her what was the background to her motion, it turned out that she believes there's a wider issue. We've had a lot of discussion and debate around how to support residents' associations the best, the best way to support them, because they, they carry out so much work and the council will be lost without them, but the money is dwindling in the, go- in the budget and we just don't know if how sustainable, I suppose, it is to keep just allocating money. You know, the more houses are being built, more residents are signing up with the Residents Association. We have one of the largest MDs. So there are a lot of factors, and I suppose to make sure we can continue to support them, um, at the last meeting I had asked that we engage properly with Residents Association and involve them in this process and see what's the best way going forward, how can we continue and ensure, I suppose, um, a continued service and continued support. So 
there's going to be obviously more than one way to approach this and who better than the residents association to know but I just thought just to get the discussion going and let's start with the biodiversity side of it and let's see is there something better we can do is there a better way we can do things um, and engage fully with the residents association before we make any decision and before we get to budget time and that we've kind of gone through a, a number of steps. That biodiversity issue is in a way somewhat contradictory. Most of the grants to residents associations are to help with grass cutting and now there's an expectation that maybe not so much grass should be cut. Tracy O'Dwyer suggests that biodiversity needs to be part of every conversation between the council and the people it serves. We are asking people to cut later cut less and let the dandelions grow Um, we are in the middle of a a biodiversity crisis and we do need to start addressing these problems and seeing what's the best way forward and I think residents associations set a huge example to you know everybody around them and they can be very influential so you know if they're we're working with them and we're all working together and we're all on the same page we all have to have biodiversity at the core of everything we do now, I believe, anyway, no matter what we're doing, whether it's putting down a road, whether it's fixing lights, you know, it should be part of that conversation in everything. So, you know, if we're going to start discussing um, residents' associations later in the year, well, let's discuss biodiversity as part of that. You know, if we're discussing putting down paths, is there an impact on any habitat there? Let's make it just part of the everyday discussion. The same as we would ask, what's the impact here to residents? What's the impact on the road? You know, we ask the same question, well, what's the impact on the hedge? What's the impact of the trees? So I just kind of thought it would be a good way to kick off that if we actually launch a campaign just saying, you know, cut for next year, because obviously people are going to start cutting the grass now, it's probably a bit late for April. But at least if we have it there and we start that educational process for next year and we get buy-in and then the residents' associations are working with us and we're we're all working together and they're setting that example. We're well aware now of the the county-wide plan where we have 10 communities, including Kilcullen, working on the biodiversity plan. So would would this be, uh, if you like, an extension of this directly to the residents' associations or would lessons that are learned in these 10 communities, would they be applicable then to what you're trying to do? I think it's probably a bit early to say if they would be applicable. I think this is definitely a separate project, probably in its own right. Um, and I, I think until we start working more close, at the moment we work with residents' associations maybe once or twice a year, once when we're notifying them about grants, and second, when they're trying to allocate those grants for residents' association. And that's probably the extent of the interaction with residents' association, who play a huge part, you know, in every community. So, you know, with tiny towns, we're probably interacting far more frequently. And... In saying that, obviously, people on the residents' associations are probably already involved in Tidy Towns and in the biodiversity plan. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't deal or work more closely with residents' associations. You mentioned that the financial resources are kind of obviously finite and, and decreasing probably in a way. So, I mean, yeah. would, would, would there be resources within the council from different departments to 
fund this if you find that there's a take-up? We don't know yet what funding is going to be required. And until maybe we're engaging more regularly with the residents' associations to see what can we do better and how can we do it better and then see where the, what financial supports they need. You know, we, we might find that there isn't a whole lot of financial resource, but maybe more time resource, maybe more people resource is needed, not necessarily a financial payout. If those resources are there, you know, they're already delivering programs on biodiversity towns and, this, you know, so those resources are there. I don't think resources will be an issue. I think it's it's just that we need to, um, and I say we, I think the council needs to do better by our residents' association. That was Councillor Tracy O'Dwyer with some food for biodiversity thought there. Looking quickly at some of the local news from the Leinster leader, we have coverage of a call by Kildare South TD Patricia Ryan for the Minister for Rural Development, Heather Humphreys, to come and see empty buildings in towns such as Rathangan, Monaster Evan, Athai and Port Arlington. She says there's a need to reverse regional imbalance and claims that the government has left rural Ireland behind. The Gildare Nationalist highlights the appeal made by a Castle Dermot cyclist injured in a hit-and-run to come forward. Ray Morrissey made his call on yesterday's Liveline with Joe Duffy. KFM Radio has a story from a nice housing estate where residents are wondering why a walk-in COVID test centre was set up there without being advertised. On the national news, RTE leads today with the latest on the AstraZeneca saga, headlining how thousands of doses of that vaccine won't be given today as immunisation clinics planned for distributing it have been cancelled by the HSE. The Irish Times puts a number on that at up to 15,000 doses cancelled. The Independent gives the story the full chaos treatment, highlighting summer lockdown exit hopes dealt a blow. And the examiner says... It's a major hit. Well, we'll see where all that goes from here. Meanwhile, nobody has used the voice message yet to this podcast, but there is a text in from someone probably relatively new to the town, wondering where is the jockey style in Kilcullen? Well, that's an easy one for me. It's the New Abbey Road on the old style access to the mass path through the New Abbey stud lands to the graveyard. It's now redundant as there's climbing free access via the Valley Park. Now, the tricky part is, where did the name come from? I've never found an explanation, so if anyone can, I'd be delighted to hear it. Voicemail, WhatsApp or text to 086-826-7104 on that or any other subject that grabs you. You've been listening to The Daily Cast on Cacullen Diary, the podcast where we spread our net and see what we can get. I'm Brian Byrne. And thank you for listening.